what we're able to do by identifying the things in our own buckets is to get really clear about what we can change, what we're going to choose to change instead of feeling like we have to do it all. And then we are able, you know, the first in the book, the first step that I walk people through is getting clear about their values and how they want to feel physically and how they want to feel emotionally. Welcome back to Home Mama's Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or are navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we got you covered. I'm Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and founder of Nourish Medical Center. My co-host is Stephanie Gerenke, registered dietitian and program director for Whole30's Home Mama's Club and co-creator of Whole30's pregnancy program, Healthy Mama, Happy Baby. On today's episode, I'm excited to bring Dr. Samantha Brody on today's show. Dr. Brody just published her new book, Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. And what perfect timing. Being pregnant myself and managing all I have going on, this episode came at the great time. I recorded this a couple weeks back while I was in very early pregnancy, and I just had found out I was pregnant. And for you mamas who can relate, there's a wave of this excitement, and then followed by, oh man, what are the next few weeks going to look like balancing everything you have going on and possibly experiencing those fun first trimester symptoms? And when I say fun, I mean, you know, the nausea, the fatigue, the food aversions, you know, the fun times, right? So lucky for me, when this episode airs, I will be 12 weeks pregnant and most of the symptoms that will be subsiding at this point. But I'm currently 11 weeks and I'm feeling so much better than my seven to nine weeks of my pregnancy. And I'm just taking one day at a time and I'm focusing on my prize, which is my second baby. So this interview came out at such a great time. It was so fun to be able to interview uh, Dr. Brody and just really get her viewpoint on the difference between stress and overwhelm and her philosophy that can she can really share with us moms on what we can do with this inevitable overwhelmed feeling. Now, before we bring Dr. Brody on today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our partner, Rethink Water. I shared on last week's episode how Steph and I, we love their mission, which is to help rethink the type of kid drinks we offer our little ones. Juices are so high in sugar and we need low sugar beverages that our kids will enjoy and stay hydrated. Rethink uses USDA certified organic fruit essence to flavor their water. It comes from the pure fruit aroma and oils that are recovered from the fruit juice concentrating process. This provides enough flavor to elevate the fun and interest of their water without all of the unnecessary sugar. They have a variety of flavors to choose from, fruit punch, berry, grape, orange, mango, apple, and watermelon. Surely you can find one or many your little one loves. Give it a try. You can find them at Target, Walmart, or even Amazon. And now let's bring on Dr. Brody and start our Nourish Yourself segment. Thank you so much, Dr. Samantha Brody, for coming on this show. We're so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You got it. I just, I love having uh, naturopathic doctors on the show. I think there are some absolutely brilliant naturopathic doctors out there that just need our mamas to really, really hear them and get their greatest gifts. And so I think you're absolutely one of them. I'm so happy to, to share you with our audience. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule for us. My pleasure. Great. So before we dive into the episode, I would always love to start off by asking you our famous question. How did you nourish yourself today? Today, I actually took some extra time to do absolutely nothing, which meant 
after I was done with the podcast interview I did this morning and plugged away at some of my to-do list, I plunked myself down on the couch and listened to an audiobook. Mm, oh, I love audiobooks. Which one did you listen to? I am currently actually in the middle of two different audiobooks. The <laughs> one that I'm the one that I'm listening to right now is called Remarkable Creatures which is an historical novel about a woman who is a naturalist and a fossil hunter. Oh, interesting. I'd never heard of it. Okay, great. What's the second one? And the second one I'm listening to is actually, um, uh, I believe it's called Get Well Soon, which is a very interesting history of the plagues that have uh, that we've had through history. And oddly enough, it's really funny. I mean, it's not that the topic isn't funny, but the delivery is really funny. The reader is excellent. And it's got some really incredible um, contextual information and has really triggered a lot of thinking about how great it is to live in the world that we live in, right? Nature isn't trying to kill our children mm. all day long Aww. every day. Nice, really. per- nice new perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. I highly recommend it. But if you're squeamish, it's not a good choice. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, I have to say, because I've not read like a, a book for pleasure in years. The my Audible that I'm listening to is No Drama Discipline, <laughs> since yeah, I have a two year old, and that's always just a nice read just to get some tips. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I decided a couple years ago that part of my self care was going to be reading because mm. I love doing that so much. And the first year I committed to that, I read, you know, I think 24 books. And each year I bump it up and wow. you know, usually about a quarter of them are audiobooks. But last year it was like 50 something books. And, you know, it's taken the place of many of the other things that I would do kind of not unconsciously or things that I wasn't really making, you know, on a day to day basis, getting myself distracted from what I really wanted to do. And it's oh, my been a goodness. Really I'm so choice. impressed. Yeah. Oh, uh, how so inspiring. Excellent. All fiction. So I, you know, I'll very occasionally read a self-help book or something, but because I'm so steeped in that in general, I mean, I read my journals for work or whatnot, but I'm really adamant about focusing on reading fiction because that's a way to just really check, you know, it's a way to check out out healthfully. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. I've, you know, done, recorded so many episodes now and no one's actually talked about one of their nourishing practices is just reading, you know, nonfiction or even a fiction book. And, you know, I think sometimes we'll talk about audibles or, but it's usually more of the educational purposes. I I know I usually tend towards that and Stephanie, my co-host does too. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's great. You're just a little bookworm. Yes, I am. And, I always have been. <laughs> and obviously you are because you're an author yourself. That's what we're going to talk today about your book, which we're, I'm so excited. It's called Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. This is such an important topic, especially for us moms who have you know susceptibility of getting overwhelmed in our busy day to day. So uh, however, before we go ahead and um, start the interview, I would like to share what I did to nourish myself. And it happened to be something I did last night. So it kind of counts. It's still within the 24 hours. But I was uh, invited to co-lead a women's gathering. So we had 30 women join us in this women's circle last night. And we talked about what nourishment meant and what we do as women in particular to nourish ourselves and how nourishment really comes in such different contexts, whether it's different times in our life or different cultural backgrounds or family traditions. And getting a group of women together in one room does something to, I think, a woman's body that just like keeps you buzzing for just hours and hours and days. There's something about that being just such a nourishing practice, whatever the topic may be, just gathering. I think we're, as women, we're such 
innately, we love collaboration and we love sharing and we just love being with one another that that in and of itself was such a nourishing practice. And so that was something I wanted to share with you. And it was such an honor to be able to lead this group. And I just can't wait to do it again. I feel like I'm still kind of high off of it. That sounds so great. Yeah, it was. It was really, really a treat. So that was what I did to nourish myself. And I, again, I hope that we can do that again soon. So That was fun. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in because we have so many great questions. And we also have some great questions from our mom community that we reached out um, to really ask specifically to you. And I think some of their questions are great. But before we do, I always love to ask our guests just how they even got interested in this topic. You are a naturopathic doctor. You're very similar to me where we both see patients, but we also do things outside where we get to reach a lot of people either online or through different avenues. And so how did you get so interested in one, being a naturopathic doctor and in this topic in general to reach so many other uh, women and men? I originally was studying psychology and feminist studies in college, and I wanted to be a therapist. And what I found was the work that I was doing on my own and what I was seeing other people doing wasn't really getting to the deep level that I personally wanted to. And so I learned about body-oriented psychotherapy. And I spent a summer when I was about 20 living in a community in Northern California where I was studying massage geared toward emotional release and processing. And one of my teachers, our anatomy teacher actually, was a homeopath. And he was planning on going to naturopathic school the following year. And he basically didn't teach us any anatomy. He gave us handouts and taught us about homeopathy all summer long. And I learned about naturopathic school that way, and I'd never heard of it, never heard of the profession. This was a long time ago. We were talking earlier. I graduated 22 years ago, so I've been at it for a while. And you know, most people at that time hadn't heard of naturopathic medicine. There were only two schools in the country, and they were very small. And I came home from that summer and ordered a catalog and immediately went, this is what I want to do. And so I was really lucky to stumble upon that early and young. So I changed my major and I started doing my prerequisites and then started uh, the naturopathic school a couple years later. Mm, Great. You know, a lot of, I find a lot of us colleagues, we kind of find it and we like stumble upon it and then we see it and it's like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is our calling. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I hear that a lot, but that's great. So thanks for sharing. And I can't believe you've been in practice for so long. That's very inspirational. I cannot either. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. So can you tell me, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the answer. I was going to answer the other half of the question around the topic of overwhelm. Well, it, I, did a lot of teaching in my courses, uh, my online courses and my speaking career about stress in general, because what I found in my practice was that every condition has a stress component. And over time, I realized that those stresses weren't just these kind of big stresses that impact us, but the accumulation of all of the small stresses. And I started teaching on this concept, I was calling it stress 2.0. And then through iterations of that, working with my publisher, we kind of reframed that as overwhelm, which I think was brilliant because I think that there's a piece where we're kind of oversaturated with this idea of, oh, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And this way of thinking about it differently really struck a chord for me and my publisher. And so we decided to focus on that. But really what I wanted to do was take what I do every day with my patients and every day with my clients and systematize it so I could bring that to other people 
in the in the wild, you know, bring that out to the masses in a way that they could have access to what I do one on one without having to come in and see me personally. Great. Well, I love it because I know our community, we definitely can use some great tips and tricks from you. So I'm looking forward to it. But before we get some advice, I'm just kind of curious. I like that you kind of shifted away from stress and more to overwhelm, although they do still have a similar link. Can you maybe just help us understand the difference between managing stress and overcoming overwhelm? Absolutely. I think that having tactics to manage stress is really important, right? We need to have whatever works for us. And I think having an open mind about what that is and not necessarily going to the typical things. Now, some people really love meditation. I know, um, you know, I know you guys do a lot of meditation and you're uh, Stephanie, right? Mm-hmm, co yeah. Yeah. So I know she has a regular meditation practice and that's really a way that people can deal with their stress, but some people really don't feel aligned with that. And so they might do better with something like tapping or like dancing or, you know, whatever their thing is. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that stress management techniques and tactics aren't good because they are, and they're necessary and important. But when we are really looking to just manage our stress, ultimately at some point, we're not going to be able to do that, in my opinion, because the longer we're on the planet, the more stress we have that accumulates. And so I really think about overwhelm as the end result of this accumulation of stress. And so, yes, we have to manage our stress and yes, and getting underneath it and saying, what is the accumulation of stresses in all the different areas that is building up to lead to my overwhelm and, you know, overwhelm, not just as in this feeling of, you know, making air quotes now of overwhelm, but of whatever your manifestation of overwhelm is, whether that's feeling overwhelmed, anxious, uh, stomach issues, headaches, inflammation, right? All of those, whatever your weak spot is, is how you're going to manifest this state of overwhelm, which is a result of stress. Okay. So if I may, if I'm understanding correctly, it almost seems like stress are all these like micro events that lead up to a culmination of then overwhelm. It's almost like a range. You may have, you know, we all have stress in life, good, bad, hard, challenge, whatever. But it's like the more and more you have it, that's when it starts like overflowing. It's like your vessel just continues to overflow with different stressful events. Is that correct? It absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And, and, you know, I think about that as a, you know, a concept I learned when I was in school is this bucket. We have a Mm -hmm. bucket where this is certain ability to handle stress. And there are different kinds of stresses that go in the bucket. And some of them are micro stresses, like, you know, the squeaky drawer. And -hmm. some of them are macro stresses, like getting a divorce or having a, you know, a an elderly cat end up in the hospital or, you know, whatever the things are in our lives that, you know, accumulate. And we have a lot of control over a lot of the things that we don't think about as being part of our accumulation of stress. So for instance, sometimes it's the food we put in our body or the chemicals that we're using to clean our homes or the things we say yes to. And my goal with folks is to be able to really clearly identify what you can what you have control over, what you don't have control over, and then what things you're just going to say, all right, I'm not going to change this right now. And then you can kind of let go of this kind of pressure that we put on Mm. ourselves. I like that. It's just a a little bit of a a mindset shift. And Mm. yeah, that that resonates with me because I think naturally some of us can really compensate for some of the micro stresses or even some of the macro stresses. It's amazing. I have some patients who really breeze through some things that for other patients, they really have a challenging time. So, you know, we all have stresses and they occur differently to us, but as a cumulative effect, there's going to be a time where 
in our lives and hopefully not too many moments, but there are where it's just, it's so many that we just shut down. And so what do we do about that? Right. And I think it's common in particular in our culture and in particular for women in our culture to take this pressure of do, 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 be, 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 be. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of a pressure cooker, right? We do it all until we can't. And so this is about really trying to get ahead of it. So we don't get to a point where we can't. I think we can all relate to that. Yes. Okay. Well, you talked a little bit about this bucket analogy and in your book, you talk about a bucket theory um, for how to manage overwhelm. So can you tell us a little bit about this theory in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the idea again with the bucket is that it fills with the different kinds of stresses, things you can change, things you can't change and things you choose not to change. And that is everything from the, the macro of the, your genetic dispositions and your past, for instance, you can't change those things, but you can change potentially your risk of manifesting a genetic condition in some cases based on how you're dealing with your stress. You can't change your past, but you can change how you interact with it. Mm-hmm. And then other areas fill up this bucket. So nutrition, and there are many aspects of nutrition that affect us. Your macronutrients, which is your you know uh, protein, fat, and carb balance. Your micronutrients, are you getting enough selenium and calcium and you know, the other smaller nutrients in your diet, whether you're eating foods that you're sensitive to, the quality of food, when you eat it, the the um, timing of when you eat, you know, all of those things about your nutrition impact your body. Therefore, those things can be stresses on your system when you're not doing what you need to do mm-hmm. for your body. Then environmental stresses, relationship stresses. And, you know, one of the things that happens is I start, you know, I start working through this with people or they're working through it in the book and they say, wow, this is so many, you know, now I'm really overwhelmed because I'm identifying all of these stresses. But what we're able to do by identifying the things in our own buckets is to get really clear about what we can change, what we're going to choose to change instead of feeling like we have to do it all. Mm -hmm. And then we are able, you know, the first in the book, the first step that I walk people through is getting clear about their values and how they want to feel physically and how they want to feel emotionally. And then having that as a barometer or a way to vet whether they're going to address a particular thing that's causing them stress, right? So you may say, you know what? I understand that eating purple pickles is giving me mm-hmm. a rash, but I, that's not something I'm going to change right now. Like, good enough. No problem. And what we're looking to do is, you know, as those things fill the bucket, we want to look at A, what's the low hanging fruit in there? that we can address. B, what are the things that are really non-negotiable for us as individuals? So for someone, you know, let's say for me, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm a disaster. That is a non-negotiable for me, getting enough sleep. For someone else, it might be avoiding a food they're sensitive to, or they need to deal with the relationship issue that's been brewing under the surface for however long. And what we want to do is figure out what we can get out of our bucket so it's not overflowing because it's the overflowing that leads to the overwhelm, whether that's a physical symptom, an emotional state, you know, spiritual crisis, whatever that is for you and get this load down. So A, it's not overflowing and B, so there's room for the inevitable stresses in life because- Mm -hmm you know, that's, it it is, it's inevitable. Stress is inevitable. Mm -hmm. I really like that approach. And it it becomes so individualized at that point, since we all have a different relationship to stress. For some of us, food sensitivity is actually a major cause of stress. And for others, they can eat whatever, and it's not that big of a deal, but the relationship stress is actually a big cause of stress. Exactly. Yeah. I really like how you break it down very holistically. Okay. Well, let's go ahead into 
if stresses are, I mean, of course, inevitable for people and it's causing them some overwhelm, how do you coach people into changing some habits around some stressful situations? That's a really good question. So again, what, you know, one of the points with the book is for people to be able to do that without my coaching them directly through it. And I think the most important thing in changing habits is to have a really clear why of why you want to change that habit. If you don't have a strong enough why, it's very hard to make change. It's hard to make change anyway. You know, our brains are designed to automate. Imagine if, you know, I always say to my patients, imagine if you had to deliberately make a choice about everything that you do during the day. You know, how that's putting your pants on one leg at a time or deciding, you know, getting whether you're going to wear underwear or not. Or, you know, I guess some people make that decision on a day to day, but, you know, whatever the things are that, you know, are on, you know, are on automate. Our brains want to do that. And to consciously decide, here's a habit I'm going to change. You have to A, have a really strong why and B, know how you make change best. Some people make change slowly better. Some people make fast changes. Some people like to do all at once. Sometimes need to do it, you know, a little bit at a time. Uh, C, we need to know what kind of support we need as individuals to make that change. So sometimes that's counseling to be able to deal with the underlying thing that's driving you to repeat this pattern over and over again. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's accountability of having a buddy or a friend to help you make a change. Uh, for me, I when I'm having trouble making a change, I actually make an arrangement. I have one particular friend who is my accountability uh, person, and she puts me on the hook by making me agree to a particular plan. And then if I don't see it through, I have to donate a certain amount of money to a cause that I despise mm. because that's a really great motivating thing for me. Um, whereas someone else, that negative pressure is a terrible way to make change. Right. And so for you, that's what drives you. And so for somebody else, sure, that may not. So that's good that right. you're aware of that. You right. know, this kind of makes me think a lot about my the circle last night that I was, you know, helping to lead because we all went around and talked about some self-care practices because that's really what nourishes us. And mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, if we really are doing a lot of self-care, we're able to overcome some of this overwhelm and get through, a, you know, more and more of these stresses. However, I do hear from a lot of women and specifically one woman last night shared with me was that it's almost hard for her to ask for what she needs because of she doesn't feel like she's worthy of it. Mm. And this is a very common theme I hear with a lot of my patients. And a lot of moms I find struggle with this because they're, they're giving so much attention to the kids. They're giving so much attention to the husband. At the end of the day, do they really deserve to go and get a pedicure? Because it's like everyone needs them. And so I really would love if you could talk about this topic because I think self-care is such a huge theme throughout your book and through your you know, your philosophy and what can we do with these moms that perhaps have this same kind of um, obstacle? I think that there are two pieces to that. And I'm going to make a note so I don't forget. Yeah. Um, one is that I really think about self-care as lining up our choices with our values ultimately. And sometimes that's actually engaging in an act of, you know, classic self-care. But overall, my experience is that what we get out of our self-care activities, we get back tenfold when we're making choices that are in alignment with our own values. And understanding what's really important to us and how we want to feel allows us to make the choices to do that. Now, 
we also each have our own roadblock. So having a, you know, this kind of worthiness issue is one roadblock. Another roadblock is perfectionism. Another roadblock is, you know, discomfort with discomfort or, you know, whatever those things are, Mm -hmm. you know, your subconscious tendencies. And I think that the more we are willing to look more deeply. So that person who says, I feel like I'm not worthy or I don't deserve to take time for myself. Well, where does that start and how do we get under it? And sometimes that's as easy or hard as a conversation, for instance, with a spouse saying, hey, I am feeling like I am not worth X, Y, or Z, and I need to be able to do this for myself in order to be the best mom and partner I can. Mm-hmm. How how would you like to support me in that? What what would work for you? Uh, how how do you think that you could help that? So I am feeling better for all of us. I know one thing for me is travel, and my husband. I love travel. It's something that's a really important part of my life, and my husband you know, when we're trying to figure out how we're going to make it work, he's like, okay, twice a year, two weeks, you go, no problem. You know, as long as you can come up with the points and miles to travel, so it's not going to cost us a fortune, I will hold down the fort because that's really important to you. And getting there took this really long conversation about, you know, in order for me to really be the best me I can be, we need to figure out a way for me to be able to do that. And he said, you know, in front and my kid too, we know you're a better mom you're, you feel better. You're happier when you're able to do this thing that's most important to you. But I had to get to, you know, here's this thing. This is the thing I'm going to choose because again, we can't do it all. And usually it's a small thing. And ultimately, if it's really a deep worthiness issue, that's a therapy thing. It's a Mm -hmm. thing to address in therapy if you can't get to it. And to be honest with yourself about what that is. I mean, I really applaud that woman for even understanding that that's what the issue is. Yes. And I loved your advice about being transparent to your partner, because I think sharing it out loud, she was brave enough to share it with our, the women's circle, but yeah, why don't you share it with the people who truly are, are your biggest teammate who can help you fulfill on that. And I agree with that. So yes. So there are different roadblocks for different people and really, I think confronting them. So you're aware of that and then keeping yourself accountable with either a buddy or a coach or a therapist or someone so that you don't keep on hitting that same roadblock is really important. Um, Another thing that you say, and and I completely agree with you, is that really your self-care needs really have to be aligned with your values. It's what's going to motivate you to fulfill on them. And we actually talked a lot about that last night too. And I think for some, that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. To me, it does. And I think it's because I live my life aligned with my values, every choice I make, every decision, any direction I take in my life, I always come back to my values and then I ensure that I'm aligned with them. And I think that's also why I'm so happy. And I really feel like I've lived, I've created a life by design, which is one of my main values is that I have freedom around that. Can you though, give some examples, um, especially to moms, you know, really like put yourself in the shoes. I mean, you're a mom yourself to a 12 year old, right? A boy or girl, big boy. boy. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? What are some of your values as, as a mom that, that really help dictate some of your self-care needs and, and that helps you really get clear on your needs? 
The first thing I'll say is, you know, I really do encourage people, and I'm going to offer this to your listeners, is to actually go through, a, literally go through an exercise to get clear about what your values are. I think a lot of times we say, oh, I know what's important to me without being really specific about here is what's important to me. And to know that, you know, that can change with different seasons of your life. So my values right now are extremely different than they were before I had a kid. And now that my kid is, you know, in junior high, he, I have a different set of values in a different way. I'm, I am addressing those than I did two years ago. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is great. And I now see, I'm going to um, put a little link to, on the show notes to this value exercise. And I think this is going to be so great for listeners. So if you are driving or whatnot, don't worry, you guys, the link will be right in the show notes. And I think this is going to be a great exercise to help identify your values. Right. You know, thanks for providing this. This is oh, really course. great. That's yeah. my pleasure. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, you know, as far as specific values, so for instance, one of my values is health and that is reflected in the way I take care of myself, both in a physical way and an emotional way, and in how I raise my kid. I got a call uh, last week from his, or we got an email from his math teacher who said, you know, I'm a little concerned that your kid is not getting enough sleep because he's really tired and kind of seems like he's falling asleep in class. And I went, I'm like crazy about him getting enough sleep. I'm like 10 hours, no less. So, you know, I knew something was up and I got to have a conversation with my son. And I said, I've, actually, first I said to the teacher, can you check with some of the other teachers and see if it's an issue in the other classes? Mm-hmm. And it was, a, you know, it was a no across the board. So I got to have a conversation with my son about what he wanted for himself around you know, his energy and why he was feeling tired. And it turned out that actually it wasn't that at all. It was that he was feeling not engaged enough. And so we were then able to talk about his values. I was just got a little distracted down a different path here, but, you know, we were able to talk about his values and what's important to him in the context of his schooling and his relationship with his teacher and what he was getting out of that. And was he rested and was he eating the right foods for himself? Right. And the that connection of my being able to be clear about my values and what's important to me reflects to him. And then he gets to make decisions for himself based on what's important to him. Mm. It'd be nice to have a teenager to actually talk to like that. (laughs) I couldn't do that with my two-year-old, but I look forward to that. That's a great conversation. You know, helping him discover these things for himself. So important. And I will say that it's a conversation that you can have earlier than you would think that you can have. Mm. It's been my experience anyway. And, you know, talking about really, you know, getting, instilling emotional intelligence in kids, right? Like, oh, you're feeling, it seems, you know, I see that you're feeling X, Y, or Z. And, you know, at this age, he hates when I do that, right? I, mm-hmm. I see you're angry. It's like, close your mouth. I mean, he doesn't really say that to me, but like, that's what he's thinking in his head. Like, stop talking. But I do think that talking about, you know, well, what, you know, what our values are then models that for them, mm-hmm. right? If we're actually having a conversation on a regular basis, this is something that's really important to me. Here's how I do this in my life. And then watching also the conversation, you know, for kids who are in two parent families or more, I guess, um, you know, with the parents discussing with each other, this is what's important to me. This is what's important to me. How are we going to make those things work together? Because ultimately everyone has different values and getting, you know, in the habit of having that kind of conversation then it becomes so much easier when you're actually ready to say what's important to you because Great. they know. Yeah, oh. I love that. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to share what I what some of my values are as a mom. Oh, Maybe someone can resonate with it. It's And it's something uh, that I just kind of carry with me because it resonates with me. But I'm committed to being a present, playful, and passionate mom. Mm. And those are values to me because 
whoever I am to my daughter Aviva, if I'm not being playful, present, or passionate, it helps me kind of snap out of it and reminds me who I'm committed to being. And so then I'm able to kind of move through it so that I can then show up in that way because that's Mm, who I'm committed to being. So of course, when I get stressed out and overwhelmed, I kind of go to bitchy and and angry. That's who comes out of me. And because I'm not committed to being a bitchy and angry mom, I'm committed to being a present, playful, and passionate mom. I want to check myself in that moment. And that's actually what reminds me like, okay, you're probably not getting what you need, Ilana. So if you're not getting what you need, step up your self-care game because I'm committed to being a passionate, playful, and present mom. And that really helps me shift. And so I just wanted to to share that. I'm I don't know. I'm hoping that's kind of aligned with some of your teachings or yeah, some of your really thoughts. Yeah, it's really interesting. So one of the things that that kind of immediately brought up for me is one of the things that we do in the book and that in general I do with folks is to look at our values and then also to look at how we want to feel. And mm. so for me, there's this kind of how we want to feel emotionally piece. It's a little bit different from our kind of core values. So for me, being playful for you it may be for me being playful isn't a core value, but to feel light or to feel playful. You know, it's a little bit different now that my kid's older, but that might be a way that I want to feel in the context of being a mom. It's a little bit different for me than this kind of core value. And I think that's the whole point is that there are different ways of looking at it and thinking about it. So for what is a value for one person, for someone else, that's going to be a way that they want to feel. Mm -hmm. And that it's the intersection of those two things that I find to be the most helpful for people in crafting when, you know, especially when they haven't done this work before, right? So you've done obviously tons of this work. It's you're teaching it, you're living it, you're, you know, it's the core of who you are, Mm -hmm. right? It's one of your values is living this, right? And I think though, early on, especially when people are first doing this work, to be able to understand both those two things of what's most important and how you want to feel, because my experience is that sometimes people they get conflated, right? The, the value is being a good parent. And then this next step is here's how I want to be within that context, like contextualizing it, because it leaves a little bit more space, like to find the nuance in there. Um, and you know, having a mantra around, I mean, I love the, you know, the alliteration on that too, for you, the pleasant playful. Well, it helps me remember it too. (laughs) That's But but they, but those words call to me. I mean, they they really are for me. That's why, you know, they're so easy for me to remember and to play on. And, and it really helps me stay clear. And I think that tool just works for me. Well, Maybe not for every mom, but I wanted to at least share that. Um, I think we're aligned with a lot. And having those words, like having those at the top of your head Mm -hmm. is so important because if you know that you, you know, for me, it's being irritable, right? If I know I'm irritable, I know I'm out of alignment somewhere. You know, is it that I haven't done what I need to do to take care of myself? Is it that I didn't eat? Is it that I need some alone time? Is it that something else upset me? Um, Or am I just annoyed with my kid, which Mm -hmm. is totally legitimate also. Absolutely. Uh, getting, you know, those, having those words are so, I think so important. Great. Well, I, I do. I, I love this kind of work. I know for some moms, we may be feeling like, gosh, I just don't have the time to even sit and think about this stuff. And I really get it. I mean, we're, we really have so much going on. A lot of us moms are just juggling multiple things all the time. What is some of your advice to help moms just one, find the time or just sit down to just really start integrating this kind of information? 
That's a, also a great question. I think that the first thing that I usually have people do is get really real about how they're spending their time. Mm. 90, you know, and sometimes to the point where I ask people to literally every 10 minutes make a note of what they're doing throughout the day. And most of the time, there is time to carve out. The problem is, are we able to really stop and do what we need or what's going to be most helpful during those times when really what we're trying to do is just check out for a second because we're uncomfortable. And so, I mean, if I take all the time that I spend, for instance, on social media, I could carve out an immense amount of time to do a lot of, you know, a lot of different things. If I get into bed, you know, if I, if I straighten up the kitchen right after dinner and don't get all distracted with something else that isn't as important, then the kitchen doesn't get clean. And then I wake up in the morning and then I'm really irritable. And, you know, I think being really more conscious about how we're spending our time and is that lined up with what's most important to us? Because, you know, of course we're busy. I mean, we, you know, you and I talked a little bit before we hopped on uh, the recording about all the different things that we do and that we love that. And there's almost always time somewhere. So being really, you know, honest about that with yourself and then also delegating and being clear about what is, what is it that you want to be doing with your time? You can't do everything. You can't, it's impossible. Even if you just did the things you wanted to do, let alone the things that you've committed to do, or that you feel are going to benefit you in some way that you don't want to do, or that you're doing for someone else. Like even, even without that, there's not enough time ever. There's just not to do all those things. Yeah. I have to agree with you actually, (laughs) because I think a you know, I'm a mom, so I'm busy and I work and I do a lot of things and I still am very committed to doing my meal prep Mondays. And people see this on Instagram. I'm there every Monday for two to three hours. And I, it's a value of mine. One of my biggest values also is health and also inspiring people. And so it's just, it's an important part of my calendar and I'm very diligent about it. And it provides us so much. It provides us with food. It provides us with the nourishment. It's, it's just a routine that I have. And it's true. I don't, prioritize that. And so because I'm so mindful about it, I just make it work. So it's just another thing in my calendar that grants me a lot of actually freedom. And I actually find it saves way more time during the week than cooking every single night. So I'm, I'm very much about efficiency. I think our listeners know that about me. And so I agree. I think if you actually wrote down every 10 minutes, what you were doing, you'd probably find that you have at least an hour of time that you didn't even realize at you, least. you had. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Even if you had three or four kids, I think you'd be surprised. Right. And I will also say that the, um, you know, writing down, you know, once you're clear about what's most important and how you want to feel and kind of what your priorities are, writing down the thing in your calendar that you need to do before you start putting in a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So for instance, you're saying, I, you know, I have been feeling tired and my joints are aching and my sleep isn't good. And you say, all right, I know the one big thing that's going to really help with that is exercise. If you try to fit exercise around all the million other things you're doing, you're never going to get it done. It's, you won't, especially if it's a new habit. And so actually schedule, you know, what I tell my patients and clients is schedule it, like literally put Mm -hmm. it on your calendar. If you want to cancel, you can, but you have to reschedule. Imagine it's an appointment with like the prime minister or whatever, you know, whoever's most important because you are the most important and you can't, you know, we can't, unless we're feeling, you know, we all have our personal best. Not everyone is going to feel great all the time. Some people have chronic pain or health issues, but ultimately if we're not feeling our personal best, we're not able to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish and be the people we want to be. 
Great. I'm right there with you. I'm a big calendar lover. And that's what I do with my patients too. I actually ask them which days, which times, you know, and, and then, you know, we kind of go over that again. Okay. How did that work on the Saturdays at two o'clock or because when you have this idea, it's great. But when you actually write it down, you're putting it into reality and there's something very powerful about that. So yeah, that's wonderful. Now I want to kind of go back to a really big topic and that's really just identifying our needs as moms. I mean, mm. we just were so consumed with, okay, what does our kid need? What does our husband need? What does this child need? Okay. Now at work, what do, what do I need to get done here? What do I need to do this? Well, I think we're constantly trying to help fulfill other people's needs. I think sometimes it's very challenging for some moms to get clear with what they need. I think as we're overwhelmed We know we need something, but we just don't know what it is. Any tips or advice that you can help so we can just identify our needs to decrease stress and overwhelm? I mean, gosh, I hate to be a broken record, but I will be. You know, I really think getting clear about what's most important allows us to then get clear about what it is that we need. And so if we know that we're not, you know, it's, it's about taking the time and brainstorming, right? But unless you know what it is, you know, and you can start with how you don't want to feel if that's easier for you, right? I know I don't want to feel tired. What do I need? I need more energy. What are the specific things I can do to do that? And, you know, again, you don't need, you know, sure, a workshop is great to do that. And you don't need a workshop to do it. You can take 10 minutes and think about what, what, slow down for a second, I guess is the answer. Mm -hmm. Just three deep breaths into your belly when you're feeling uncomfortable, when you're finding that you're trying to escape from your feelings, if it's shopping or, you know, surfing online or overeating or eating something that, you know, doesn't serve you or gossiping, whatever those things are to stop and take three deep breaths and say, what is it that I actually need now? And then to let your body and your mind tell you what it is. And it's often surprising, right? Mm. What we actually need. And then saying, okay, now that I know what I need, what, what am I going to do? How okay. am I going to get the, How am I going to get there? But I think just the minute, the pause, the, it's pause. the pause. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The pause. I agree. It's yeah. very powerful and really listening and tuning in. You know, I think what happens is we're so busy with so much noise and that's kind of mm. what I teach on too. The, the noise is so loud. And I think a lot of the noise for moms is this thought that like, I always need to be doing something like there always has to be something to do, or I should be doing. And, you know, I think that it's so important that we just stop feeling this way because it's actually more detrimental to us when really, is it really something you should be doing? Are there priorities that you can make? Are there things that we can really starting to list out. I mean, yes, maybe the dishes are really important for you to get done, but maybe it is okay that they get left in so that you could spend more cuddling time with your husband or your kids, you know, I mean, for sure. And to be, you know, to, to not, I think that our, you know, especially for women in our culture, we have this chronic and constant pressure to show up and look a certain way. I think social media has made that a lot worse. And I think it varies depending on kind of where you, where in the country you live kind of what the expectations are about what kind of mom you should be. But ultimately, you know, keep your eyes on your own paper. You know, Mm -hmm. you get to decide what you want your life to look like. And sometimes we have circumstances that we don't have control over the, you know, the, our skin color or sexual orientation or, you know, things that, that legitimately make it harder to accomplish the things we want to accomplish in certain ways. And, but most of the time, we are kind of, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it. And so how can we decide to make changes and to allow space for that to unfold in a way that really aligns with what's most important to us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. 
All right. Well, I would love to just kind of dive into some of our community questions because they're so good and I don't want to miss Uh, out on these. You know, one of the moms says that she just has a really hard time resting. Like she knows she needs it. She wants to relax, but she's just really has a hard time just really turning off. What are some tips you can offer her? And I'm sure other moms out there who really have a hard time with this process. A couple pieces with that. The first thing is knowing that you should rest versus wanting to rest are two different things. And I think that there are, are often ways to meet that need to turn things off without resting, like literally just resting. So it's a little hard to know from that question whether the person's talking about like sleep or you know, just sitting and doing nothing, right? Is it the guilt mm-hmm. of sitting and doing nothing that she's referring to? I'm not sure, but I, I think that the the conscious scheduling of blank time and then allowing yourself to do something that isn't an ac- something that you feel like, quote unquote, you should accomplish. And that can be saying, I'm going to read, I'm going to color, I'm going to, you know, watch House Hunters or whatever your jam is on TV and really consciously scheduling time to do something that isn't on your to-do list, I think is a great way to do that. And if it's really just having trouble, you know, sometimes people say I have trouble resting and it really, what they mean is I can't turn my mind off. They have monkey mind. Mm -hmm. Then I would say working on breathing and meditation or Tai Chi or Qigong or some kind of, you know, retraining your brain to get out of the loop or Mm -hmm. yoga. Great. Yeah, I know. I agree. There's um, a really interesting question on the same idea with rest and relaxation is just perhaps are there herbs or supplements that you can recommend maybe to help with that monkey brain or that monkey mind? There are, you know, there are two different types of herbs I'm going to use in that, in that kind of context. One is kind of uh, what we call adaptogenic herbs, which are herbs, which help your adrenal system, which is the system that makes stress hormone respond in a healthier way. I think that often we train our brains and our bodies to respond with high stress, especially when we have any kind of trauma history. And there are herbs that we use for that. Some of my favorites are uh, Eleutherococcus or ashwagandha. I also like licorice for that, although we need to be careful if you have high blood pressure, licorice is contraindicated. Those are some of my favorites, but I really, you know, I do tend to to pick those based on the person. And then the other type of herb that I'm going to use in that kind of context is what's called a nervine herb or calming herbs. You may have heard of, you know, people may have heard of valerian, for instance, which I personally don't like because it smells like dirty feet (laughs) Um, or, or lavender or uh, chamomile, those kinds of herbs, which are actually calming. And often I'll give people a, you know, an herbal product that's been formulated with some kind of combination of those things. So it really depends on whether you want to kind of literally calm your body down or whether you're looking to more balance out your body stress response. And then also I love something called pharmagaba, the GABA, which uh, basically just helps your body relax. And again, obviously I'm not giving medical advice, but um, pharmagaba and L-theanine are two different supplements that I often use for people who are um, wanting to help their bodies relax. And I will say, you know, the first thing that I tend to do before I go to any of those things is say, you know, watch your caffeine. I'm not against caffeine or coffee. There are some really great health benefits to it. But when we're feeling kind of anxious or having trouble resting or slowing down, often it's because we've literally, you know, asked our body to go faster. (laughs) No, I think these are really great tips. And I I just love as naturopathic doctors that we have things to offer and it could be short term as we're helping moms transition through these overwhelmed states. And I think that some of these tools, whether they be herbs or amino acids are 
really a very important tool that we get to use with them. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I have a really interesting question and I'm I'm from a a mom in the community. I'm not sure if this is going to make sense. So I'm just actually going to read it word by word. And she asked how to respectfully stand up to others' expectations of how you spend your time or Mm. what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really good question. I'm hoping you're able to answer that. And it could actually go with another community question saying, how do I handle differences in values between myself and other family or close friends? I think those kind of may go hand in hand. Yes. The first, I'm just writing that down. So the first one is how to respectfully stand say up no. to others. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so yes. powerful and such yes. an important topic. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is to, I think a lot of times we over worry about that. And that if we just say, that's not going to work for me right now, that people are fine with it. I think that it's really common to have a fear of disappointing people, which then makes us feel like we're not being respectful of them. So the really having a, you know, first of all, being really clear uh, for yourself and working your no muscle and then not over worrying about other people. I mean, I think that it's really a lot in the delivery that being respectful or not respectful. And then, then also couching expectations ahead of time, right? So if you have every night, if your husband comes home and you rub his feet and massage his back and get him a drink and make him dinner. And then, you know, like if that's what that person is used to doing, walking up to them and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like that reads disrespectful. However, sitting down and having a conversation, Hey, I feel like my needs aren't necessarily getting met. And I know this is something you really like. How can we work out a way for me to not do this anymore? Because I feel like it's not healthy for me. Right. So again, the communication and the conversations, uh, the other thing I really love for in particular with couples is the book, the four agreements. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that book? Oh my God, that book changed my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I really recommend that people read that with their partners. And then, you know, the values thing, the differences in values as well. Again, nobody expects you to have the same values as they do, but to be able to communicate with those are, especially with your loved ones. Or, you know, to be able to be clear, you know, well, my, I have a value for travel. Well, I have a value for nesting. Right. And so those do seem like they don't line up. And so how can you each get your needs met without giving up what's important to you? Because you, you have to compromise. Life is about compromising, especially in relationship. And, there are, you know, there are going to be some values that you just cannot reconcile. Right. Someone's like, you know, one person values stealing as many things from the store as they can, and the other person values honesty or, you know, whatever that thing is, those things cannot be reconciled. And that doesn't mean that you can't figure out a way to live together, but, you know, there are cases that the values will really be antithetical. And then you have to work even harder on the communication piece to make sure that you are not changing who you are for someone else. Yeah. Great. I think that was well said. And I mean, going back to the no's, I'm such a huge fan of helping people say no. In fact, I wanted to just give an example how some of my very, very close friends, I actually have conversations with them and I'm very transparent. And I say, if I can't trust that you can say no to me, I can't have a good friendship with you. And and they're like kind of blown away. And I'm like, yeah, how can I trust that if I ask you something that you actually don't really want to do? And you're going to say yes, that you're just going to resent me. You're going to be upset. Like, I need to trust that you could say no to me because I'm going to say no to you if it's not going to work out. And 
And then I remember they would practice with me and I would celebrate that. Like, good job. Even though I'm like, dang it. Like, I wish they would do this, right? But like, good job. And they're like, oh my God, that was so hard for me. Yeah. But in the end all, it's such a win-win because you don't want resentment. You don't want ill feelings. And it is, I think, something that may be uncomfortable, but getting comfortable in that discomfort is something so important. And everyone wins in the end. Everyone wins. And to be able to, too, to know, like, I expect that you're going to say no if you can't do it. Therefore, I'm not going to hesitate to ask. And then it gets easier to ask right. for help, too. Absolutely. Right? Like, you know that someone's not going to be honest with you with their no. You hesitate much more to ask. And then when we don't ask for help, then we're alone. Yeah. And that doesn't serve us either, right? So I love that, that, you know, the conversation that you're having with your friends and laying oh, that yeah. out, especially oh, it's so in important. close friendships. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think again, and it's so perfect that I had the women's circle just last night to share some experience, but, you know, some of the women would even talk about how challenging it is for them to really communicate and how much of a block they have there. And you know, I, I want to really be able to empathize with them. And I really want to be able to help them because I truly believe if women are having a hard time with the basics of communication, you are limiting yourself from so much freedom and so much opportunity to be your best self. Mm. And so I so encourage these women to just start practicing and you start practicing with the people that you love the most because they're your biggest cheerleaders. Like they're the ones who want to see you doing your best. And what I said to these women was, you know, if it's an uncomfortable conversation, preface it by, hey, I'm uncomfortable right now. And this right. is a really challenging conversation for me to have with you. And I'm going to practice doing it. So thanks for like kind of giving me that space. And I think you actually said that before in an example where, you know, um, you said, oh, yes, about the self-worth. You said to your partner, you know, look, I'm really working on my self-worth and I know this is really hard and challenging and you may not understand it, but it's real for me. So this is what I really need from you. Right. And there's something so freeing about being able to do that. So I challenge the moms to really, really you know, practice that with your partners if that's something that resonates with you. Right. And I will add to that too. Like sometimes it's not just about the people, you know, there's this level that you need to get to with it, or we may choose to get to with the people we love who we're really close with, but practicing, you know, that no muscle is important in many different contexts. And one of the things that I recommend that people do is to, instead of, if they're uncomfortable with the no at first to say, I have commitment of checking my schedule spending some time with my schedule before I say yes to anything at this point, I will get back to you. And then it gives you a little bit of space to then say no. So you don't have to say no in someone's face or to say, I'm going to email you. Oh, let me think about that. Let me email you back in a couple of days to give you some space to start practicing this feeling that you're, you know, practicing your comfort level with what feels like disappointing people. Yeah, that's a great, no, I, I appreciate that so much. So it looks like we're getting to the end of this episode. So we're going to wrap up. Ugh. I could probably talk to you all day. This is, a, I love this topic, but you know, I never really asked this to guests, but I think this is going to be a really a good closure and you could take your time because it's probably a lot of pressure just asking, but if you could just whisper in an overwhelmed mom's ear, just just one tip for them to like really, really take home, what would you whisper in these mom's ears? Oh, you know, I would say, I would say two little things. I would say you can't fail at self-care and be gentle with yourself. Mm. I love that. You can't fail at self-care. It's so true. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. And be gentle with yourself. Yeah. I think we are. We're so hard on ourselves. Or, so yeah, hard. I understand. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun to talk to you and explore yes, this topic. I, I love so as a naturopathic doctor that you're really focusing on this, you know, just to wrap it around. It's true. I mean, 
in my mind as well, every ailment has some type of underlying stress that's involved with physical, you know, ailments. There's always some kind of emotional or internal stress or, you know, obviously physical too. So, you know, I appreciate that you have such a passion for this and to really, really help women and men try to overcome this, this experience of overwhelm and I love that you use these analogies and you help them through worksheets and exercises throughout your book. And so I'm going to go ahead and and tag your book and in our show notes. So if moms really resonate with this, that they can go ahead and check it out. Do you think one day you may make your book into an audible since you're such a fan of audibles? Oh, that's actually that's a great question. So I oddly found out uh, in a peculiar way, but I was on Amazon and I saw that it said there was going to be a CD released in March. And I went like, what? And uh, they actually, my publisher sold the audio rights to an audiobook company and it's actually being recorded as we speak. They just started. Oh, the- good. So there's, there's an actress reading it, which, you know, luckily I got to have a conversation. At first I was like, what? And then I got to have a conversation with her. She's absolutely lovely and wonderful. And I'm really excited to see the job she does with it. So yeah, coming out at the end of March, it's available oh, on Amazon. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's great. And I know for us moms, audibles really work well. So thanks for doing that and getting that out there. Well, thank you so much for your time again. This is great. I'm so happy to air this episode and share this with all the mamas out there. If they need any more information, I'm going to um, set them up with all your contact info in the show notes. And just again, thank you so much. This was really fun for us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Samantha Brody and feel inspired to take a look at your life and see where you may be better able to overcome overwhelm. Now, thanks again to today's podcast partner, Rethink Water. If you try Rethink Water, make sure to tag at Home Mamas Club and Rethink Water on Instagram to show how you're using them with your littles and what you think. And don't forget to use code HOMEMAMAS20 at checkout to get 20% off your order if you have the patience to order them online and wait. Otherwise, grab a box or two the next time you're making a Target or Walmart run. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website at homemamasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future shows. Please remember that the views on this podcast are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information purposes only. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family. Music